0: for me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John DeBarry, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. So, the Super Bowl is in the books. We'll talk about that a little bit. I'm sure uh, Walk's heart is broken after his Eagles lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, But then we got another little thing here planned for you, our postseason award show, and Walk's going to kind of run the show today, because if you can't tell, my voice is blown out for some mysterious reason. So, Walk, how are you? And
1: let's discuss the Super Bowl a bit. <clears throat> I'm not going to lie, that got progressively worse as you did it. And you didn't sound that bad at any point when we were talking <laughs> before we, we went live. So, I don't know if it's the continuous <laughs> kind of this talking. The continue kids. downhill. Oh, oh my goodness! This is this is gonna be an all-timer. I can already, <laughs> I can already tell. So, yeah, we're uh, we're here Tuesday post Super Bowl, and um, well, that, uh that happened. So, not a lot to say that I haven't already said on Twitter uh, for anyone that follows me. Thoroughly disappointed, not only in the refs, which I think are a piece of it, but <clears throat> we were out coaching the second half. I mean, as I said, I said, they, she's beat us soundly, but the fact is I will still always think of that play as what, you know, they, that's going to be the play that comes to mind, you know, uh, when I think back on the Super Bowl. No, no matter how much time passes, it's, you know, a holding call hadn't been called all game. You know, that was not, it didn't impact the play. It was an uncatchable ball. Anyway, they were letting them play, which is what you should do in games like this. Clearly by and large and that's when you decide to interject into the to the game i just i think it was a uh, it was sad for eagles fans and i think it was sad for nfl fans as a whole to be honest with you it robbed the audience of a potential like all-time finish and all we did was watch what every one of us hates at the end of any regular season game and it's where oh shit minute and a half left they don't have any timeouts and you're just Ferguson sitting there waiting for him to take a knee and take a knee and take a knee and kick a field goal and leave. It's like it's the most anticlimactic way that what was a great Super Bowl could have ended. Now, the Chiefs likely make the field goal without the penalty. Eagles have a minute and a half with one timeout left to go back down the field and try and kick a field goal to tie it or score a touchdown to win. We could have got overtime out of it. it. We all deserve better. Because it wasn't an egregious penalty. I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty. I mean, Bradbury said it was a penalty. I'm not arguing that. It wasn't. It it was slight in the in the scheme of things. I I could probably find 20 other plays where a cornerback held a wide receiver on either team worse than that on, on a play. It's just that it came down to that. Was uh was unfortunate. Is you what i now.
0: Made me also, think of it in even a worse light than I did because even during the game, you know, as the game developed towards the end. I was like, "This has been a pretty good game. And then, like you said, I was like, okay, well now they're going to kick the field goal and there's enough time left. Philly. And that's what I said. I was at home going, oh shit, we're going to get a, a super bowl with some overtime in it. So you're right. It, that kind of gives the whole thing a bit of a you know, big downer vibe because yeah, for, for a minute there, it was pretty exciting because you thought, okay, well, Philly will get a chance to come back and and potentially overtime and you know with both of those offenses you're like shit you know we get to overtime with these two teams we could get an additional three touchdowns here so it was exciting for a minute and then yeah i, I think it was McKinnon. who who went down at like the the two yard line when McKinnon they put a got in the there slide,
1: yeah yeah i was like
0: cuz we were we were letting them we were
1: letting them score
0: yeah and, and then i saw him walking. slide and i cuz I, like, I thought he was going to go in. I was like, oh cool, Philly get the ball back. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, he slid and I was like, you know, this the smart half of my brain was like, "Oh, good play." But then I was like, "Oh, this is going to blow now." So yeah. yeah, it did turn a a good game which could have had a really great ending into oh, boring.
1: Yeah, I mean it it lost a lot. It was, it was a great game. It was. Um, you know, both offenses on full display to the best, you know, most exciting quarterback in the league. Were the catalyst behind all of it. They weren't playing secondary roles. Both of the defenses were were pretty neutralized throughout. Um, Kansas City's defense played much better in the second half, um, in, in my opinion. But yeah, you know, that ending just just fell flat, uh, unfortunately. You know, and yeah, you know, as a fully biased Eagles fan, if I just look back at some like the the most pivotal moments of the game, it was the the Devonta Smith catch. That ended up being like a strange, like stop the clock. No, that play can't happen. Give Kansas City five minutes to decide whether they want to challenge this thing or not. Yeah, like, what was, was that? Was, I have no that clue. I still, I still don't know what happened, they, but it, because they ran a play and they had the penalty on that other play,
0: so I thought it dead okay.
1: before the play happened, which is what happened. And there's some reason that they didn't like give Kansas City enough time to substitute, or something happened that the refs blew it dead, which then gave kansas city far more time to look at the play and decide just a little bit and it was strange like 10 news. minutes of dead
0: fucking time i was yeah. I, I think that was my only tweet during the game was i was like just get rid of replay i'd rather get the calls wrong and have some flow i don't i assume as a player it sucks but even as a fan i mean in in person is even worse but even at home i was like this is fucking stupid. I'm just sitting here doing nothing, looking at the clock. This blows.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that was a little curious. Then, you know, we, we talk about the penalty that happened against James Bradbury in the game. was a little curious. I mean, the field itself was a disgrace, but that impacted both teams equally. Like, th- no one could get their footing. Like, th- there was... There was no pass rush pressure. It seemed like the by kick, team. The kick
0: on the kickoff that the Philly guy did. Yeah, <laughs> we broke completely. his ankle. I was like, holy shit! That that was. If you really want to talk about amazing plays, that was the play of the game that that thing even made it in the air and went downfield.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I think it was a touchback. You know, it's the fact that they shanked that thing out of bounds and get it at the forty-yard line. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, the field was was disgusting. I mean, but you you look at like the the pivotal moments and they. Seemed to all go in Kansas City's favor. It was is how I saw it. There was none where I think a Kansas City Chiefs fan said well, what about this play. Like, I just don't. <laughs> I don't think they could even point out a play where it's like you guys clearly won. You know, got got <clears throat> the better the better half of. You know, you got the advantage here, or you know, the no call helped you here, or this and that. Like I just didn't see it. You know, so Eagles are right there against. You know, a proven Chiefs Super Bowl team. I mean, Andy Reid, out-coached Sirianni. Mahomes, been there, done that. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it's there's no argument there. But we we played punch for punch. We played with the Chiefs, and a few breaks didn't go our way. Yeah, lose by three. So now it's going to be interesting as we end all season, where there's talk that Jalen Hurts is not himself, but his play is commanded 50-plus mil on a new contract. Um, which is going to change the entire outlook of the Eagles roster because he was accounting for like 2% of the cap as of today on spot track. And if he goes up to 50 on the two twenty-five, now we're talking like 24% of the cap. I mean, I know that you can skew the numbers with signing bonuses and however the hell you're going to do it, but the number is going to go up significantly from the 2% that it's currently sitting at. So there's going to be some casualties and that's why it, you have to but try and win. You have coaches. this quarterback on the rookie deal because there's not a lot of Mahomes in the world where you can say, all right, we're going to get rid of Tyreek Hill, and we're going to replace him with two guys for his cost in <laughs> MVS and Juju. MVS, who I'm pretty sure didn't have a catch in the Super no, Bowl. Zero. Juju kind of picked up the Jason Kelsey slack in the second half and moved the chains a lot for him. So money, <laughs> money better spent there, but then MVS had the huge game the week before. But, you know, you have to make those type of decisions and – we're going to be making a lot of them this offseason.
0: You're today. in a good spot. Philly's in a good spot with draft picks, right? So I I don't have their cap information in front of me. I don't know who's getting paid a shit ton of money that they're going to cut. But they've got enough first-round picks where if they do have to pay <clears throat> um, the Hurts, a, a big contract coming up here, if they had to cut two big money guys or three and replace them with a rookie, I mean, you have to get the rookie to hit, of course, but you know, they've done a pretty good job of trading where they have enough f- first and they can even trade back and get more. I'm sure in the draft, if if that's kind of the big picture thing where they need guys on cheaper rookie contracts, if they can do it. So where most teams, like I get your concern, most teams would be really fucked. I think they're in a much better position than a lot of other teams because whoever they get rid of, they should be able to replace on the rookie deals. They might be in trouble in five years, but I think they're okay for the next three or so.
1: Yeah, from a total cap perspective, we're 18, <laughs> so we're right around league average as far as next year's cap now. I mean, listen. you have teams like the Saints who are 59 million, 60 million over, and they find a way every year to to figure <laughs> to it out. out. So I think a team that currently is sitting at three million over around the league average mm-hmm. will have no problem restructuring contracts and cutting, you know, certain players to to get there. It's just we have a lot of free agents too, you know, so this team's gonna look very different uh, a year from now. I was talking to a buddy of mine and it was you know, I I think how he was looking forward in even last year's in drafting Jordan because you know, expecting to lose Fletcher Cox after this year. Can we afford to keep Javon Hargrave? Like we need that big D tackle to to really make this defense fire. And then Nicobe Dean, a value pick when both of our uh, linebackers are free agents at this point in time and we just don't pay linebackers. So can Dean be that guy? And then Cam Jurgens, it's does Kelsey retire? If he does, then They were kind of grooming the center of the future. If not, then maybe he can get into the guard spot and replace Ciamalo. So at least it looks like how was thinking a year ahead because none of those rookies contributed whatsoever to the Eagles this year. Jordan uh, Jordan Davis, lightly used, Um, not impactful at all. Dean didn't even exist. Yeah, Dean Dean couldn't get on the field because Edwards was playing so well and I did like the Kaiser White signing. So hopefully these guys can step in to – bigger roles next year and produce. And then to your point, two first round picks this year, how he might be able to move around, acquire some additional capital, but you can fill some spots with the 10th and what now is the 30th overall. Um, you know, for, you know, a team in the super bowl to have two picks in the top 30. That's, that's pretty good. So I don't, I don't recall watching a full Eagles game this whole year
0: (laughs) till the super bowl. Of course. Um, I'm going to officially join the Miles Sanders Stinks Club. <laughs> I mean, getting to watch a full game of him, I, I was grossly unimpressed. And one got one got turned, called back. But the, then he put it on the ground twice. Like, man, that guy was thumbs down for me. I, if anywhere I have him, I'm getting out of there. And I would like to do it before the draft because having luxury picks, there, there's a pretty good chance that they could. Go for Robinson, right?
1: Yeah, I mean anything's possible. I, I don't know that how he would do that. I um, think maybe a second round pick on a running back, but you're right; they have a luxury pick if if uh, somehow Bijan's there at thirty, because <clears throat> every other team is rightfully passing on running back in the first round. Yeah, might be too good to pass up, especially in this offense that wants to kind of be RPO based to have a Bijan with Jalen Hurts in the backfield with. Smith and, and AJ Brown it the ain't Miles
0: Sanders. That's my. No,
1: I mean, point. he's a free agent. Um, he said he wants to come back. He'd have to come back dirt cheap to come back. I do think he had a bad game in what was a good year for him, um, in this offense really knowing his role, but his role is a, is a two down back that gets between like 12 to 15 carries might get one target in a game. Very touchdown dependent. We're on a, this a fantasy podcast, like fantasy perspective. He's super limited. Um, in this offense, I can't say the same would happen for Bijan. Hopefully they'd be smart enough that you know they don't have to interject Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott into the offense as much if there was a Bijan there. But who knows? Um, stranger things have happened. But I do think ultimately Sanders is either going to be like a, a damn near vet minimum to come back or he's going to play elsewhere. If he plays elsewhere, I think there's opportunity for him personally um, to be better uh, than in Philly. Not the biggest Miles Sanders fan, but he he showed me enough, and he can catch passes. He did it with Carson Wentz. It's just there was Gain Gainwell was a superior option in this offense, and they went with kind of that specialist role. So, if I'm a Miles Sanders owner, I'm certainly not selling right now because of what just happened in the Super Bowl. I'm just holding because he's not retiring from the NFL. He's gonna he's gonna play uh, next season, and if I had my druthers, I would. As a Sanders, you know, manager, I would want it to be elsewhere because I think there could be opportunity for him to be more successful in an offense where maybe he doesn't even get more touches, but he gets more opportunity to catch the ball. So that's my two cents on Miles Sanders, but I'm not arguing that he looked like shit <laughs> in the game, but all the running backs did. I mean, I've seen a buddy of mine. And was like we didn't. Huh? Game looked okay to me. Okay. I mean, game will average three yards a carry. Um, and you now it caught four passes for 20 yards. So, it you know, might it might have looked okay to you, but better
0: than the other guy.
1: <laughs> oh, they all they all sucked. That is the problem. I mean, you know, and I'm yeah, you know, sorry, just keeping this to a, you know, a yards per carry route. I mean, 3 yards per carry for Gainwell, 2.3 for Sanders and 2.7 for Boston Scott. The Chiefs shut down the run game. I mean, even Jalen Hurts, I mean, average 4.7, he had one 28-yard run in that. They shut out our run game. I mean, almost all together. And that was huge because that didn't let us really implement our game plan in the second half of trying to play keep away from Mahomes. They shut out the run game. And we couldn't complete the passes to, to retain the yeah. retain possessions. So we got stymied with 3.6 yards per carry. Meanwhile, the chiefs averaged 6.1 yards per carry. It was like the inverse of what was supposed to happen on yeah. Sunday happened. And that's largely what contributed to the loss. So talking about one dynasty running backs value going down, how about Isaiah Pacheco? I mean, C.E.H., healthy scratch. First round pick, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Healthy scratch for Ronald Jones, nonetheless. That, that was the decision that was made. It wasn't for the other two. It was, no, we're going to keep Ronald Jones active in case of an absolute emergency. You're good. We don't, you know, we, Melvin Gordon said over we there smoking cigars, holding up the Lombardi for no good reason. <laughs> a conversation for another time. But, you know, Pacheco, ah, fuck, it was hard because I love watching that dude. Every play is shot out of a cannon. He like every carry. He treats it like it's his last carry on earth, every single one. And if you don't absolutely love Isaiah Pacheco, then you just don't love football whatsoever. Because that dude loves football, and he's taking hits and he's popping right back up. He's energetic. He's Fuck, I would I hope I wish the Eagles had him instead of Austin <laughs> <laughs> where, where I wanted to be. So, yeah, this the stock is pointing up for Pacheco. He didn't get a lot of opportunity, didn't even get a target in the game, which was a little odd because I think he had five targets or catches the week before. And I was like, oh, are they really going towards like, you know, like I think I think a- in the um in, in the Chiefs' first game,
0: the second round of the playoffs, I think he had seven targets and seven catches. And then in the championship uh, division. Conference championship. I think they didn't use him again because I think that's what we talked about. But he did have the,
1: the no, no. In the conference to... championship against the Bengals, he had six targets, five catches, fifty nine yards. So okay. he did it against the Jaguars, which was a missed Mahomes for half of the game. But he had a big pass <clears> catching <throat> game. That's what I, I sort of he's, remember. Here bigger you know bigger part of the pass offense but he wasn't he didn't even have a single target in the game. I mean McKinnon only had three targets. So there wasn't a lot going to the running backs. I mean it, it, and granted it was time um time of possession specifically. Mahomes only threw it 27 times. 27 yeah. in the game because they were not on the field the entire first half. I mean that largely was second half volume. It was like a half of a game for Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> right, right there. Um, didn't even throw for 200 yards, which is insane. That Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw for 200 yards and they score 38 points. Pretty and crazy. I mean, there's just so much, so sad. Still too soon. So let's let's leave let's leave 2022, 2023 behind us uh, with the 40s. So, I mean, it's about as smooth a transition as this brokenhearted Philadelphia fan can give. And, uh, you know, we usually do this a little earlier uh, when the fantasy football regular season is over, but things got away from us a little bit. But we'd be remiss if we didn't actually have our annual 40s to discuss some of the best and worst players from the 2022 2023 fantasy season. So, we're going to run through our list. As John said, I'm going to be spearheading uh, this operation today, and John will be giving his two cents in his seductively raspy voice at this point in time. <laughs> and uh, so I'll just start off. We'll just get MVP out of the way. Um, John and I did not discuss any of these beforehand, so we might have the same person. We might be shocked at who the other person has, but it's part of the fun of why we do it. There's no show sheet. Like I don't know where John's going with these. He doesn't know where I'm going with it. Might know where I'm going with this one. It would be interesting to see if he doesn't. But I'm going with Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, who anyone who listens to this knows I love Josh Jacobs. I was Shanahan pounding the table for Josh Jacobs coming out about how impactful he would be in the NFL. And then I proceeded to watch two years of them never throw passes to him with the Raiders, and I'm like, what is going on here? Use a first-round pick on this guy who's a premium pass catcher, and you're treating him as a between-the-tackles grinder. Well, year four, after not picking up the fifth-year option of Josh Jacobs, he proceeds to lead the league in rushing yards. He was running back three overall in PPR. He was drafted as running back 23 overall, so a 20-spot jump in his – Production versus uh, average draft position. Taking it, pick 47.3, so the end of the fourth round. Back, you know, your your RB2 at best on your rosters in redraft. Only Austin Eckler and CMC. PPR magnets finished in front of this guy in 2022. And then throwing a little bit of that salt, that salt bay, that 50-plus receiving, 50-plus receptions, each of the last two seasons for Josh Jacobs finally see it and what is it as the Raiders give yet another player kind of the thumb uh, on the way out the door no fifth year option he's free to go find a contract anywhere he wants hopefully he ends up elsewhere because I just don't even want anything tethered to that sinking Raiders ship at this point in time he can maintain running back one Top 12 production for the next two to three years, in my opinion, because people are starting to see he can catch the ball. Give him 50 catches and he can tote the rock. He's built for 250 plus carries. Not a lot of those guys left. Super happy for my guy, Josh Jacobs, fantasy football MVP.
0: Oh, very interesting. So for MVP, for me, I went with your guy, Josh Jacobs. But <laughs> I actually have a little different, I have some different numbers than you. I mean, obviously. depends where you pull it from and all that. I had him at fifth overall and running back two in the scoring I looked at. I had him drafted as running back 27. And my uh, looking at DLF's ADP from – I went back to uh, August right before the season started. I had him as 85th overall, ADP of 86.83 as a seventh rounder. So DLF's ADP, he was going a little later. So, I I mean, you already covered most of it. But, yeah, to get a guy – that late in drafts and have him end up carrying teams is, is you know, that's what you're always trying to look for every year is getting these guys that go a little later that can have their explosion. I mean, even, even you as a big fan and thinking his upside, I, I don't think you were thinking an RB two season. And I think that's even further exacerbated by the point that everything the stupid Raiders did going into the year was like, Oh, they're done with this guy. So it's, you don't want to be tied to this sinking ship. So, th- those super low expectations going in, plus what he ended up doing, I don't. I don't think there's any question who it was this year.
1: Oh, I love it, John. I mean, that's uh, that made my day. And yeah, I always use <laughs> FF today for my fantasy fantasy points because it's generalized. Like you can look at different scoring. Who knows if you're doing ESPN, CBS, though. So I always use FF today. Oh. And he would be yielded for PPR scoring as running back three. Um, I did. Yeah, I forget. I went to Fantasy Data for ADP. I've assumed DLF is Dynasty ADP, right? Correct. So. So the, in the 80s, that would be from Dice. So that makes sense. Uh, what's still the crazy. Yeah, fantasy football calculator wouldn't load for me. So that's usually where I go for ADP. I was having a little bit of trouble today, so I had to, I had to pivot. So fantasy data it was. But, yeah, I mean, in, in the one startup you and I were in this year where I won, I don't even know what round I got Josh Jacobs in, but I was avoiding running back. I probably draft them in like the eighth, ninth round. Like, you were saying, I went zero quarterback, RB. I... Yeah, I went wide receivers. I <laughs> I drafted the aforementioned Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, and James Conner, like probably in like the eight to 12 round range. And champ, champ, uh, yeah, raised the, raised the belly in year one. So those guys probably won't be long for my team, but flags fly forever. So awesome consensus <laughs> MVP. Um, uh, Josh Jacobs, congratulations. You can come on down and receive your 40. Um, we usually jump around and save some of these shitty ones for last, but we're just going <laughs> to stick script here. Right. So we, we, if we have an MVP, we have to have an LVP, right? There, there are least valuable players in the league. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to defer to you on this one. I do not believe there is a chance that we have the same person here, but I don't <laughs> want to potentially steal some thunder if we do.
0: So I looked at a couple of guys. However, when it push came to shove, I just could not look past his ADP as being the the least valuable player of the year, and that is the Colts, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, in dynasty drafts, he was he went ahead of Chase and Jefferson in a couple of leagues. He was the number two player overall in 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 uh, DLF's ADP by far and away, the number one running back. And like I said, some people were taking him number one overall heading into the year. So for him to finish his RB 30, and even when you calculate his missing games, he was RB 16 on a point per game basis. So he just was such a giant disappointment based on where people drafted him. I mean, you, you took him first overall. You know, when you start drafting those guys, you have obviously expectations is going to be the top running back again, which very rarely do they repeat, but at least finishing in that top 12, you go, okay, this guy's still an RB one. He was still serviceable, but he had games where he was barely even usable. I think I had somewhere, I thought I wrote a note on it, but I can't find it, but he had a lot of games besides the ones he was injured in where if you started him, he was actually a liability. I mean, this whole Colts offense is a, took a shit. So he's probably a nice candidate for a bounce back next year, but just because people were taking him first overall, and, and I don't think he ever fell out of the top three in any of the mocks I looked at um, is his RB 16 return is inexcusable. Least valuable player.
1: Yeah. I mean, his redraft ADP fancy that was, he was the top player 1.2 so you know people didn't want to risk taking McCaffrey after like two injury prone seasons that are like let's get the safety in Jonathan Taylor for this year right and then boom of course he picks up an injury that entire Colts team was gotcha. a disaster this year and you know he was not above approach so I even though he did play a healthy amount of games it was still a disappointment I I largely avoided any injured player as far as like the the downside I agree with you he was a disappointment. And least valuable given what you drafted him to do, and the fact that it's not like he tore his ACL in week five. I mean, like he I played said too. enough games to disappoint. And, <laughs> to and be, even with
0: that's why I looked at his point per game too. And even that he was a a bottom half RB two, being yeah. sixteen overall. So even when he played, yeah. he gave you nothing.
1: Yeah, it's just trash. Colt, Colts trash. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So mine, dude. This was not personal, John. This is just business. Okay. Deontay Johnson was the least valuable player in football this year, in my opinion. He was drafted ADP 43.5, so he was a fourth-round pick. Wasn't super early, but that's wide receiver 17 overall in PPR. He tied for sixth in the NFL in targets with 147 targets. So it wasn't lack of opportunity, top six targets in the NFL. He was wide receiver 50 in fantasy points per game. He was only wide receiver 32 in, I'm, so, I'm sorry, he was wide receiver 32 in PPR points, but he was wide receiver 50 in fantasy points per game. So tons of reception, tons of targets, barely a wide receiver three in points, not even a wide receiver four in, in points per game, got passed by countless individuals. It was ugly, didn't score a touchdown. Almost insane how, given the target volume, he did not score a touchdown. He almost got one in, like, week 18, I believe, if memory serves correct, which would have just been, like, the cherry on top of the shit on your fantasy season (laughs) Sunday. But such an epic disappointment because he was drafted to be a high-end wide receiver, too. Some people believe he's a wide receiver, one. And if you told him, told anyone he was getting 147 targets, it wouldn't matter who the fuck was throwing on the ball. You would say, okay, well, he, worst case, he's going to give you wide receiver two production. It's volume. I mean, you just—he's getting too much volume not to be a wide receiver two. He wasn't even a wide receiver four in fantasy points per game. Just disgusting. <clears throat> and my concern was always the post Ben Roethlisberger error with Deontay Johnson was going to be concerning, and it has bared fruit so far. Super disappointing season from Deontay Johnson.
0: Yeah, he'll. Uh...
1: You'll hear his name again before we get out (laughs) of (laughs) here. Okay. Well, I also had an honorable mention, but I I have him, I have my, and I think discussed later. So I didn't have to pivot to an honorable mention in case we had some redundancies in place, but there is a few honorable mentions here. And it's largely because I wanted to shit on more more people uh, at the end of this, but that particular individual will not be avoided. So, (laughs) This one, we are just gonna to move to the rookies. I mean, we're going into rookie season, you know, we're turning the calendar. Everything we're gonna be talking about is the NFL draft for the next like two months, and then we're gonna be talking about rookie drafts for the next two months, and then we'll be talking about the 2023 season after that. So we're gonna start with your rookie of the year nominee for the 2022-23 fantasy football season.
0: All right. A name that has been toyed with already on this podcast Uh, I I looked around at a lot of stuff Uh, you know Wilson and Olave were Wilson was a low-end wide receiver too Olave was just behind him a couple spots where the year finished so I didn't see a big separation there none of the rookie running backs really popped so I kind of did a lot of looking at uh, ADP and seeing where people went and where they finished I actually went with Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> I, I, he finished the year 193 points, running back 32. However, after the Chiefs' week nine bye, when he came back out of the bye, he was running back 15 from week 10 through the end of the season. So we've got middling RB2 production on a, on a good offense. The team seemed to trust him as ADP. He was uh, running back 54, so a 13th round pick. Um, But, yeah, just his performance, especially based on where you got him. And like I said, a lot of the other guys that did have better rookie seasons, I mean, I was looking at guys like Tyler Algier and Damian Pierce and Kenneth Walker, they were also drafted higher. So, for me, I I added a little bit of the value pick in there with him. But just especially with his ADP involved, I just thought he blew this year out of the water. I mean, and a lot of people – Didn't like him coming in. Senior Bowl guy, so I was (laughs) on him early. And, yeah, to me, he was the most impressive, especially considering what people thought everyone would do. I mean, Kenneth Walker had a good year. He finished RB20, but he was also drafted as RB18. So based on ADP, he actually underperformed a bit, even though he was far and away the best rookie running back this year. So I went with Isaiah Pacheco.
1: (laughs) Hard to argue, we're both. But we talked about Pacheco. Just huge fans. Just love watching the kid play. Yeah, just look at some of his stats. I mean, five yards per carry. You know, 170 touching year. Only had 14 targets in a regular season. Caught 13 of them for 130 yards. 10 yards per reception. Super limited sample size, but I'm just crazy excited about what next year could look like for Isaiah Pacheco because it was clear Jerick McKinnon started wearing down down the stretch. You know, he, he won a lot of people championships and no one's going to begrudge what Jeremy Kinnon did the last two years for the chiefs, but they barely used them in the playoffs whatsoever. They didn't even see fit to want to put Clyde Edwards layer back on the field for the super bowl. They obviously realized what you and I did years ago, that Ronald Jones is a lost cause and will not be on a team next year. So it's like, what's that backfield look like next year? Are they going to sink capital into like running back when you just hit a gem? On day three, Isaiah Pacheco, you're going to bring in like you probably sign a veteran, which is more likely to back him up would be my assumption. Like, hey, yeah. you want to come here and win a Super Bowl, Melvin Gordon, <laughs> guy? You're going to sit on the bench a lot, but if God forbid shit goes south, we might need to bring in. I mean, Pacheco, two hundred plus carries if you can get the 40, 50 targets in this offense. You know, we we talked about this. Over the years with Fournette, like just get three targets a game.
0: There's yeah, three I mean, targets yeah.
1: a game out there for him. Yeah, not asking for the world, you know, and catch no. two of them, you know, and just 34 receptions. Yeah, oh mm-hmm. gladly sign me up right now if you do tell me he's getting, you know, 15 carries a game, whatever that translates into in the 17 game season. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> not asking for bell cowy work. 15 no. carries, three targets. <laughs> you know, three catches a game. Like that's in the realm of reality from Checo, a huge fan as well um i went a little off script i said i didn't go with injured guys but that was only for <clears throat> the ones that sucked I wasn't i wasn't going to factor an in injury for guys that sucked. now guys that i think would have been monsters different story Brees hall is my rookie yeah. of the year right Brees hall was rb7 on the season in fantasy points per game okay Weeks one through four, very pedestrian for Brees Hall. Was still seeding touches to Michael Carter. Weeks five and six, kid exploded. Yeah, Carries, 38 carries, 213 yards, two catches, four – sorry, two touchdowns. Four catches for 105 <clears> yards in weeks five and six alone is what he did. In week seven, before getting injured, he had four carries for 72 yards and a touchdown. This dude was about to go nuclear on the NFL – when he tore his ACL, everything everyone wanted from the 101 yeah. last year, Brees Hall, head and shoulders above every other rookie in this class. No disrespect to Pacheco, who fucking blew away expectations. Ken Walker, who ended up with the volume because Penny got hurt. All those receivers you mentioned that were productive, we had thousand yard rookie receivers. Neither of us have ever been talking about here. We're both talking about running backs. I just think Brees Hall would have dominated yeah in that offense had he not got injured and put up historic type rookie production. And it sucks that he had to pick up that ACL like when it was happening. But I don't think it should discount him from what he did on the field when he was (laughs) on the field. He was the offensive rookie of the year in my opinion. Can't disagree. All right. From rookie of the year to rookie bust I'm very interested in your rookie bust here. Um, people probably won't be that surprised in mine um, for any of those that listen. But again, I'm going to give you the floor on the rookie bust.
0: So, my rookie bust of the year ties into where we started this whole thing, Zamir White. So, we go, you know, like I said, Jacob's big year was largely based on just super low expectations. They don't pick up his option. They trade up to draft Zamir White. White had some injuries in college. Well, not some. He blew out (laughs) both knees. So he had injuries in college. qualifies,
1: John. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) He looked good when he was on the field, if I'm not mistaken. He was the top running back for sure when he was coming out of high school. So he's got that pedigree. And you thought, cool, he's going to come in. The, The Raiders have never trusted Josh Jacobs up to this point. They traded up. Got this kid, no fifth year option. This is the future. They're going to kick the tires on him. Fucking nothing. 73rd in points scored among rookie players. 73rd. 73. Yikes. Can you, if it's 60, that would be disgusting. I mean, that's like the guy that you drafted in the fifth round. You know what I mean? He got blown out of the water by Daniel Bellinger, for example. But what, 11.6 points? And he got in 13 games. He actually dressed.
1: So I, so he had less I mean, points I, in games played. Huh? Yeah. So, telling yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff to do.
0: so, I mean, I have him in a bunch of spots. We mentioned with go. Jacobs in the beginning, likely to be moving on. Uh, you know, I, I shared that <laughs> a dog shit article with you, but this is Amir White's lined up hopefully to break out. But, I mean, if he couldn't even – get on the a sniff in this rookie year you wonder how much the team actually likes or trusts them. i mean we've seen crazier things where guys don't get on the field and then the, you know an opportunity opens up and they take off from there but just like i said based on what you thought going in and finishing 73rd i mean not not even a 15 point game he didn't get 15 the whole fucking year so i just a giant disappointment to me he was far and away the biggest bust of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, of of all the uncertainty of the Raiders backfield and freaking Jacob's starting in the Hall of Fame game and then not picking up his fifth year option then them drafting Zamir White in what was it, round 3. You know, so it wasn't like they, you know, you trading like up or maybe before on them, you know, clearly prioritizing that player. It was it was a shock, see. My guy's going in a little different direction. Your guy was a bust cuz he just never touched the ball. Okay. So I decided to guy go with a guy that I think touched the ball far too much in, in the 2022 NFL season. And that is Brian Robinson. Okay. Brian Robinson finished 43rd overall in PPR. He was 39th in fantasy points per game. Minimum five games played. He was running back 19 in the NFL in carries. He was top 20 in carries in the NFL. And he averaged an abysmal 0.53 fantasy points per touch in 2022. I can't recall a rookie running back doing less with more than I angrily watched Brian Robinson do for the Washington Commanders in 2022. when our boy, Antonio Gibson, an absolute firecracker on a per-touch basis, got got relegated for this slug. This is like Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams on steroids, where we're talking about where I was just screaming from the rooftop years ago with the Packers of, what are you doing? Because you know this guy's just going to get two yards up the middle. That you're you're much happier with that than the the fact that Antonio Gibson is a little bit of a wild card at the end of the day. It was mind-numbing to see them just put the ball in this kid's stomach over and over and over again. And it just proves how disconnected Ron Rivera is with NFL reality at this point in time. Disgusting. Did so much less (laughs) with the opportunity at his disposal. Great story. Terrible player, Brian Robinson. <laughs> Rookie bust. Disgusting.
0: That's a good one. I mean, because he did volume his way. People probably are much higher on that than they should be.
1: If anyone likes him at all, well, they're too high on <clears throat> him. is where I go. And I just wanted to fact check myself because it didn't even make sense to me. And I, I definitely ran all this in advance of this morning. So just let me get one quick. That running back 43 overall seems a bit low for brian robinson so i don't want to be giving out false information here on the podcast when i, I can't know my... how much they i mean
0: rivera has been on record of trashing our guy antonio gibson and you wonder how much you know rivera seems like a big narrative guy no no i nailed it running back 43 just <laughs> confirm you wonder how much he wanted to like come back from getting shot to be like a big thing you know what i mean like he felt like that emotional oh, a charge could carry the there, team through the season.
1: Yeah, there's there's a narrative there. Yeah. I mean, listen, Antonio Gibson finishes PPR running back 28 on the season. So fucking good. Makes me sick. Man, just think. And I tell you, 200 carries plus ample unnecessary targets went to Brian Robinson in that offense. Antonio Gibson could have easily posted another top fifteen, it Makes me sad. Top 20. Makes me so sad. Yeah. Every fucking year, angry, ah. just angry. So yeah, I, I I was going nowhere else with that. And there was some, there was definitely some disappointments um, this season. Zamir White being one of them. But I don't think anyone disappointed me more than Brian Robinson for those two reasons. All right, from those rookies, we're going to go to the waiver wire gem, who was a largely unknown player that changed the tide of your or the entire fantasy football season.
0: So for me, on a personal level, it was probably Matt Collins, but that was just where leagues I You're had him. But but that wasn't my pick. I went through um, ADP and kind of looked at the guys that were going undrafted. Then I went through some of my bigger leagues and looked at the uh, waiver runs in like August and in um, September, right at the start of the year. The guy that seemed to be out there the most that w- – had a pretty decent role throughout the year. I'm going to go with Zay Jones. Zay Jones was undrafted in a lot of dynasty drafts. Um, I don't know where he was redraft wise, but ended the season wide receiver 24. So didn't blow the roof off the league, but a pretty steady, dependable wide receiver too in a, in a league where, you know, most teams are starting two or three everyone's starting two. most teams are starting three wide receivers every week now, uh, especially with, with expanded flex spots. So he was in your lineup. I mean, you picked him up relatively cheap. I would assume before the season kicked off and he, he was a plug and play guy the whole year, you know, he's got some boomer bust games in him, but a lot, a lot of guys do nowadays. But to me, Jones was the guy uh, that I believe finished
1: the highest of the undrafted players. Great minds, John. Zay was my honorable mention. So didn't take my guy, but still in lockstep. I had him as wide receiver 26 in PPR. You said 24, neither here nor there. He was wide receiver 80 in ADP. Wide receiver, not pick. Wide receiver 80 Yeah, <laughs> in ADP and finished as a borderline wide receiver too. I mean, all, you know, a 50 plus spot jump. Great season you now for crazy Jones, the <laughs> Levitator. So no argument with Zay Jones. I went with a guy I was kind of picking around earlier, not speaking too glowingly about him because I said he faded down the stretch, but my waiver wire gem was Jarek McKinnon. And Jarek McKinnon was a fantasy playoff superstar league winner. As they, as the kids like to say, he was running back 63 overall ADP of 210 Super late, if at all, at the end of your drafts, they chiefs waited forever to even bring him back after last, the previous season, there was no shine on him. It was still CEH. And then they go and draft Pacheco and Ronald Jones. They sign as well. Like McKinnon was a forgotten man all over again. And then he proceeded to just be a PPR magnet ended up as running back 27 in fantasy points per game, but. It was what he did down the stretch that I think made him the waiver wire gem. He was on the aforementioned championship roster where I had that staple of running backs of Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, and and Connor. I picked up Jarek McKinnon, I'm pretty sure, off waivers in a dynasty startup, and ended up plugging him in down the stretch for for my championship. It looks like it's all but done for him, in my opinion. I'm not even sure that he'll be back in Kansas City again next (coughs) season. But two years, late season, Jarek McKinnon has been just a chef's kiss for for fantasy football. So wanted to give my man Jet one more shout out. Imagine what could have been had he not just tore his shit up when he signed that big deal with the 49ers uh, at the beginning of the Kyle Shanahan tenor. We could have been looking at some all-time Jarek McKinnon seasons if he wasn't one of the unhealthiest absolutely healthy looking human beings I've ever seen in my entire life. So I went with my boy, Jet. Yeah. Like like you said, when you factor in the fantasy playoffs,
0: that's a definite big one.
1: Yeah. Both guys. Huge. All right. So now we're just going to rock through by position. Who was the best and who was the worst by position going forward. Okay. So I use the ESPN scoring for all this, had to find a barometer to use. So I just went, ESPN scoring. Use whatever you want. doesn't matter. This is just so I can just talk about draft slots. So I'll jump in. As far as quarterbacks are concerned, I think hard pressed to believe that the best quarterback was not Justin Fields who finished as QB six on the season. He was drafted as QB 18 overall. And that QB six finished. I mean, let's take into account the first month of the season. He didn't do shit. I mean, like literally like garbage. And then he was like QB one overall for like, a four or five week stretch where he was just destroying the NFL. Had he not been injured or had they opened up this offense a little earlier, he would have absolutely shattered the quarterback rushing record. There's nothing in that offense redeeming. Fuck Darnell Mooney even got hurt. They stupidly traded what is now considered a first round (laughs) pick for, uh, chase Claypool who didn't do shit either. Just imagine who they could get it. 32 pick 32 overall. They just tried to bring anyone in to help Justin Fields. They'd be able to add a quality, young wide receiver, not someone who's been fully realized for what they are at this point in time. I mean, the, Justin Fields deserves better, but it's amazing what he did with what he didn't have. Am I going next? Are you doing the best oh, I'll good and bad? Oh, sure. I'll do the worst. Worst? Easy dropped that layup right in the bucket. Russell Wilson drafted his QB eight, finished his QB 16. I was shocked that he finished his QB 16, to be totally honest with you. But it just says more about the position this year than it does about Russell Wilson. He was an abject disaster. And I was all in on stupid Russell Wilson that, the the foundation funneler Both of us. <laughs> to be a revelation with those pass catchers and you know the running back and I just thought oh we're finally gonna see it yeah we saw it all right this is a heavy Denver pod going into the season <laughs> I had them as a playoff team what was wrong with me I think I had them win right. the division <laughs> I had I had the playoff team as well so <laughs> but I think I had them win in the division
0: so, so hey. Some some errors get made. What can we do?
1: (laughs) The error is human, John.
0: All right. So for me, biggest stud, and and you had said based on ADP, so biggest stud for me at quarterback, Geno Smith, undrafted. Most people thought Locke was going to get that job. Ends up finishing QB8. I mean, a a bona fide, locked-in quarterback one all year. I mean, he won the NFL comeback player of the year. Sure enough looked good. You can't say, I, I mean, I look great. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. So I, I have to go Gino It's just because he was undrafted. I mean, you don't typically, you know, not compared to <laughs> skill wise to Kurt Warner, but very rarely do you get a guy off of fucking waivers who you are just locked in at quarterback. You know, it's, it's a luxury pick. And then me biggest dud. I, I went, I went with an injured guy, but I don't care because even on a point per game basis, trash Matthew Stafford and the Rams offense was atrocious he was drafted as QB 15 point per game basis he finished as 34 there's 32 quarterbacks in the NFL so he wasn't even a QB one by NFL standards (laughs) he finished on a point per game basis behind such fantasy uh darlings as Mac Jones Kenny Pickett Andy Dalton, and Matt Ryan, who got benched twice during the season, I think. So he was fucking terrible. He said he's coming back next year. I was shocked because he looked cooked. I, I, I Yeah, to me, that guy was uh, – he missed time with the injury, but when he was out there, he was among the worst statistical quarterbacks for fantasy. So Stafford, to me, was the biggest zilch.
1: Hard to argue. I mean, that was like a – Zach galifianakis level Super Bowl hangover by that entire Rams team. I mean, I don't think McVeigh agrees to even come back if Matt Stafford doesn't say he's he's toughing it out for one more year. There's probably a lot of zeros in a paycheck that are associated with Stafford's decision as well. You know, they they bagged a lost season this year, but yeah, it didn't even start well for them. So hard to argue. And Gino Smith, not to disrespect Gino at all, but I don't think a comeback player of the year award should be reserved for someone that was just a just bench player them. because they weren't good enough yeah. for X number of years. That's not comeback player of the year. That's, give them like a, a, you know, persistence award, you know, or <laughs> give us, give us something. comeback player of the year should be exclusively reserved for like injured players or something that impacted. Injuries their and ability drug <laughs> What? injuries and drug addicts or you know, something that impacted their ability to play and then they got it back like it's it's not it's not geno smith makes know? sense I, i'm sorry like and i'm totally biased brandon graham tours achilles came back posted the highest sacks of his entire nfl career this past season at 34 years old that is what a comeback player of the year looks like like christian mccaffrey lost a huge chunk of the previous season yeah two injury came back and was uber productive on a team that was vying to go to the Super Bowl. Those type of guys are comeback player of the years. Like they came back from something. Smith didn't come back from anything except disappointment. Yeah. Like this. And, but I digress. He, he did get it quality quarterbacks, best and worst running backs. I don't see how we're going to have a different best running back. I'd be surprised, but Tony Pollard, he was drafted as running back 30, finished as running back nine overall. You got a running back one finish from a guy that was perennially being just, uh, what are, what the hell are they called? Um, what are those, those, No, it was those things that Leach sucked by Zeke <laughs> the entire season. <laughs> Pollard could have had like eight more touchdowns easily on the year, just in these one-yard plunges. That fat, no-need Zeke was stealing from him because he's getting paid way too much. Tony Pollard could have finished easily as a top-five running back. He didn't even get the lion's share until Zeke got hurt again this past year. I mean, so this is even just, like, segmented on the season. Pollard was unbelievably impressive. Another one of our guys coming out. Another Memphis product. Who would have thought that these guys are actually just, like, athletes you should be getting the ball to? Tony Pollard, best worst I told you I was saving them for later you know so I was just kind of holding them up so I could knock them down CH he was drafted as running back 25 people still just like this is the year I mean value falling but still borderline RB2 he finishes RB46 and not in, not injury impacted he sure ended up Getting injured and then subsequently losing his job to Isaiah Pacheco. He was buoyed by a shit ton of unsustainable touchdown production early in the season. He was terrible. I've always said I never understood the whole he's a pass catcher dynamic. He was a byproduct of this LSU offense. He didn't look special to me at all when he was catching the ball. I still say I stupidly fell for the landing spot, and I pushed him up my ranking as well. He wasn't even a top five running back for me in the class before the stupid Chiefs had to draft him, stop calling Patrick Mahomes and ask him what he wants to do with draft picks. And, my, and Clyde Edwards-Slayer would have been like a midday two pick. I would have kept him where he belonged. I wouldn't have any CH that I had to expunge from all my dynasty rosters. Would have been a lot happier person. But even in a depressed market, CH found a way to disappoint from his depressed market, from a guy that was being drafted as running back one overall two years ago to someone who can't even, who barely cracks the RB four baseline at this point in time and got pipped by a much, a far superior back in Isaiah Pacheco. I, uh, CH is done. Here's a weird one
0: I just popped in my head as you're ranting about him. What do you think of CH
1: on the Bengals? I mean, he would look a lot like P. Run. Mm-hmm. He would have to grow his beard and focus on arm day a little bit more, but not it's much. Biggest, biggest, softest arms in the fucking league. But <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> all right, I went, I went a little different direction. You said you thought we'd have the same guy at uh, biggest stud at running back. I, I I'll make this easy. I'll, I'll wrap them both together because I stayed in the same backfield. <laughs> ah. running back stud. Jamal Williams, running back 59 and uh 195 overall <laughs> ADP, finishes the year running back 15, 268 points, a shit ton of touchdowns. The uh he was the beneficiary, so someone's got to lose out there. It was DeAndre Swift, is my biggest dud at running back, drafted as running uh four running back four, ended as running back 28. He had five games where he had less than double-digit points, missed three games. You wrap all those together, you got half the season where this guy, who we all thought would be a big PPR performer, fucking couldn't even get you 10 points. So that is as big of a zilch as you could get, whether he was healthy or not healthy. You know, the the Lions may have been (laughs) lying about that most of the year, but – Either way, giant disappointment. His loss was Jamal Williams' gain. I I think they complemented each other perfectly in in this stud and dud because as much as we expected that season, Williams had out of Swift. You know what I mean? So uh, giant disappointment from him and and Williams. I I know you hate his guts. I I just had him in a couple spots, and he was great for me. So. To me, with the ADP involved, uh, I, I couldn't look anywhere else but Detroit.
1: Yeah, um, great. It was it was, <laughs> it was beautiful. And I mean, Jamal Williams, not a bad football player. I mean, that did not need to distract him. Aaron Jones was just so far superior to oh, him incredible. that it was just frustrating to see the volume that Jamal Williams got, and then to see what. Happened, you know, like post Jamal Williams, and then them bringing AJ but Dun- it, 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 Whatever, <laughs> it's it's pretty much Mike McCarthy's fault. But what isn't at this point in time? But then to see him go to Detroit and also suck the life out of DeAndre Swift too, who we both like. He's like, what is it? He just he's just a vampire. It's, it's like your ringtone. Jamal Williams no longer a slug. He's a vampire. He walks into running back rooms and proceeds to suck the blood out of everyone else in the room and he absorbs it in himself. And it's what leads to that crazy personality. of his. He's just got so much shit going on, different personalities in his head that he uh, thinks he's SpongeBob wants to be, you know, a, a hit thrust and dancer on touchdowns getting five. Like, I don't hate the guy. I just think he's so like replacement level, but he's going to re-signing in Detroit. I would be absolutely mind blown if they don't re-sign him there. He's like, a culture guy there, like Dan Campbell, like probably walks in to the offseason meeting and is like priority one, resign Jamal Williams, get him whatever he wants. <laughs> priority two, everything else. He's gonna be back. It's gonna continue to drain on DeAndre Swift. I mean, 17 touchdowns, 262 carries for Jamal Williams on season. Got all the short yardage works. I mean, like if I thought Aaron Rodgers was the one-yard touchdown thief of a few years ago, throwing all those touchdowns to DeAndre, to Devontae Adams, Jamal Williams is the new thief. I would say that of his 17, I'd be shocked if 12 of them weren't of the two-yard or less variety. He just he got every single chance on goal to go, <laughs> and he cashed that on him. So, kudos to him, and yeah, sucks. DeAndre Swift, dad's a power lifter. He looks like he should be able to take punishment, but he gets injured constantly. It's just he's he's not built for a workhorse role. He's always going to be a change of pace back. Lucky for us, he's a great pass catcher because we'd be proper fucked if, <laughs> if he was just average as a pass catcher. If we had to rely on him getting 12-plus carries in a game plus some pass catching – the, you know, we'd be closing a book on, on old DeAndre Swift. So, great Detroit Lions double tap right there. Moving on to wide receiver, near and dear to my own heart. Best wide receiver, Slim Reaper, Ivanka mm. Smith. Drafted as wide receiver 35. See, I'm talking all redraft. John's got a lot more in a dynasty focus. Drafted as wide receiver 35. Finished as wide receiver 9 overall. Absolute stud set the Eagles' record for receptions in a season. Meanwhile, AJ Brown's over there setting the yardage records. Just like the fact that Jalen Hurts maintained two wide receiver ones in a run based offense is insane. You know, also the fact that Dallas Goddard didn't fall totally off the map. There's reasons you want to buy into good offenses, um, and it's for reasons like this. So Devonta Smith just hugely impressive season for my Philadelphia Eagles. Meanwhile, the worst was Mr. Cortland Sutton, who I was super-duper high on. Shit on Russell Wilson earlier. Might as well shit on Cortland Sutton just to put a bow on these Broncos. Drafted as wide receiver 18 overall, so the expectations were reasonable. Mid-range wide receiver 2. I'm like, there's upside for more. No, there wasn't. He was wide receiver 43 this season, and he looked at every bit. I mean, yeah, he was pissed off at Russell Wilson a lot of times, jumping up and down as he's not getting the ball, but just didn't – seem to do anything more with the opportunities he was provided either got passed by Jerry Judy in my opinion as the top wide receiver in that offense and he's a big body clasher who's now going to be a year older that last year was the year for Cortland Sutton so now unless you can buy him as wide receiver 43 I think it's time to move on and try and get you some Jerry Judy but super disappointed in what Cortland Sutton did this past year more, more, more Denver, and there's, there's more to come. <laughs> uh,
0: for me, uh, wide receiver stud again. Looking at ADP here, Christian Kirk, and I, I never understood why his ADP was so low. I mean, they they backed up a truck to his house with cash. He was their wide receiver one. Just based on the money and the depth chart, he had to outperform his ADP. He was wide receiver forty nine in drafts ninety eighth overall. Came out of the gates on fire weeks 1 through 10. He was wide receiver 7. Finishes the year wide receiver 15, 224 points. Seems to have some good chemistry with Trevor Lawrence, who's ascending. So I, I think he's probably in this top 15 here on out for the next five years or so, unless they address the position, you know, and get a real alpha stud. But he, he's the guy there, and he really outperformed that ADP, which I thought was egregiously low, even during draft season, I ended up with a ton of him and redraft and at any startups I had just because he w- he was dirt cheap. And if you just looked at what they did and who was available, you knew he'd, you know, the opposite of Deontay Johnson, you knew he'd get the volume. <laughs> um, and then biggest dud at wide receiver, I kind of cheated here a little bit. Um, but I went with anyone named Moore. <laughs> so, <laughs> DJ Moore finishes, uh, 22 after being drafted wide receiver 13 Elijah Moore finishes 83 after being drafted as 19 and Sky Moore finishes 109 after being wide receiver 40 in drafts so anyone named Moore was a disappointment I mean DJ Moore picked it up a little bit down the stretch but he started the year having another bad season I mean that whole that whole offense in Carolina stunk but yeah, all these moors were huge disappointments, Elijah Moore. We're expecting to have a bit of a breakout. Parts of the year he didn't even get on the field. Sky Moore, we thought, had an opportunity to come in and do something in this Chiefs offense with, with Hill out of the picture now. He did less than nothing. So anyone named Moore was a giant dud at wide receiver. <clears throat> but... The other guys I had looked at, and talking about bus, you mentioned uh, Devonta Smith, who I did have on my short list here. Amari Cooper was 34th and ended up ninth, which was crazy. And Brandon Ayuk, I didn't realize, finished as wide receiver 14 after being drafted uh, 38th, I believe. So they were all pretty notable as far as guys that popped. Deontay Johnson, who you mentioned, as the least valuable player, was someone I looked at heavily here but I just couldn't beat the uh, symmetry of going with everyone named more.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that pained me because, you know, I'm a DJ Moore guy. I went all in on DJ Moore this year. I him in a Scott Fishbowl as well, above notable <laughs> players. And, uh, yeah, I <coughs> wanted to root for my guys. Also had Elijah Moore on the Scott Fishbowl as well. Lovely. So, I mean, it, how I made the playoffs is, is any Moore's guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and then you talked about Amari Cooper. It's crazy. I didn't even think of him it's because he got drugged down by uh, Deshaun Watson. He was a monster with Jacoby Brissett. He probably would have finished better if it weren't for the, the suspension ending you know, for Deshaun Watson because that was just a shit show for those Cleveland Browns. Um, not only through that, but then the fact that it just got worse before it might have slightly gotten better um, at the end of the season. But uh, some good names, it hurt. To to hear the Moors, but it's really no argument. I am trading for Elijah Moore in Dynasty. I still believe. Can't take away what he did in his rookie season. Supposedly Mike LaFleur fucking hated him. He hated Mike LaFleur. Michael floor is not the OC anymore for the Jets. If they can get a competent quarterback, even though he's kind of lost that alpha role to Garrett Wilson, I do still think. Elijah Moore could, could, be, could be a beneficiary. It could be good for him. Wide receiver, too. Let him just eat people live in the slot. PSA go out and acquire Elijah Moore while the price is low. I think I gave up like a mid second round pick for him. I'd do that That's all day. Fair. Yeah. Finally, we are tight end proponents on the Fantasy Football Podcast. I myself claim to be the tight end whisperer. And I like big butts and I cannot lie, John, this position is near and dear to my heart. And as far as the best tight end, it was Evan Ingram. You've been talking about Jacksonville Jaguars, sleeper and Zay Jones or best value waiver J- Zay Jones, best value wide receiver in Christian Kirk. Evan Ingram finishes tight end five this season. Five. He was drafted as tight end 22. I had so much Evan Ingram everywhere. One year prove it deal. In Doug Peterson's offense for a tight end, this is this is easy money. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> that's, that's, there's there's one of my late round tight ends everywhere. <laughs> Evan Ingram, I'll just keep picking up that free money every chance I get. He was super productive, and it wasn't even really early. It was like much like anyone else. The NFL season started like shit because no one plays in the preseason anymore. So now, like, the first month of the year is kind of the preseason where just, like, teams are getting their wits about them, trying to figure shit out. It was kind of after that, like, Evan Ingram kind of hit his stride and really exploded mid to second half of the season. Real interested to see what happens with him. He took a one-year prove-it deal in Jacksonville. He proved it in Jacksonville. Now, is it Jacksonville gives him the money or does he end up going elsewhere? <clears throat> think any Evan Ingram – Dynasty owner hopes he stays in Jacksonville because now he kind of has an established rapport with an ascending quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. You see what type of value they place on the tight end in this offense. He's in his prime. I think he's like 28 years old right now. This is like the time, the next like three to four years yeah. of Evan Ingram are just could be beautiful if he signs a multi-year deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So hoping for that, but you know, certainly did what he needed to do. Um, by going somewhere, he was going to be utilized better than in that Giants offense the last couple of years. Worst, easy. Mike Gisicchi. just, just, just throw that ball off. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna do two hands, flush it every time. Mike Gisicchi played in all 17 games this year. Mike Gisicchi scored five touchdowns this year. Mike Gisicchi was drafted as tight end 11 this year. Mike Kasicki finished as tight end 23. Now I get it. They've like pretty much phased him out of the offense. There's the famous clip of him talking to Dawson Knox. I'm not disputing any of it. What I am saying is I was skeptical of Gasicki's involvement in a Mike McDaniel offense the entire time. Go check the tapes. I was like, I, he doesn't block. He doesn't block. He's not going to play. He's just not going to play in this offense. And he didn't. He started getting boxed out by like Dorham Smites for goodness sake yeah. during the season. It's just and then well their offensive line stunk and then there was you know two concussion issues and uh, it, everything kind of cascaded from there. But the fact that the matter remains is Mike Gesicki is a big <clears throat> slot receiver. He is not a tight end, and that's not what they use in the McDaniel offense. So there's a value for Gesicki in the NFL. It doesn't exist in Miami. Hopefully he lands somewhere else where he can be used more like an Evan Ingram where it's as a mismatched pass catcher than as someone that is bolstering your offensive line that leaks out and catches shit like that. So I don't think he's dead and gone, but I had serious concerns for Mike is in his, in his Dolphins offense. And it just makes me more curious as to why they gave him. I'm pretty sure the franchise tag to hold him for when we paid him like $10 million. Like, you knew he wasn't a scheme fit. Like, I don't know, why, why are you spending that money? Little lost on me. Decision-making process, but I was always skeptical of Gazeki's value and role in this Dolphins offense this year, and it played true to form. He barely produced low-end, tight-end two totals, and literally anyone could do that. Brock Wright, I think, put up comparable totals to what Mike Gasecki did, and he did it in like one or two games this season. So, dud, worst.
0: I have a Gusecki was my original bust, but I did have a pivot written down here, which I'll go to fun. Fun. Gusecki sucks stat seven times this year. He scored 2.1 points or less 2.1 or less. (laughs) (laughs) Garbage. (laughs) All right. So I'll I'll wrap up here with my uh, tight ends. Evan Ingram was in the running for me, but I went with my guy, Tyler Conklin undrafted just because we were doing it kind of ADP-based here. Undrafted finishes tight end 13. Him and C.J. Uzoma both signed with the Jets this year. Uh, Uzoma got a slightly better contract, like a million more bucks only, but they had pretty similar deals. Um, being drafted is tight end 41. 239 overall in Dynasty Leagues. Most of the time went completely undrafted. So to come out, finish tight end 13 with dog shit at quarterback, he did good in Minnesota when he finally got the chance to get on the field. Went there, signed a deal. Even in competition with Uzoma, ended up emerging as the guy. I like him in the Jets. Offense, uh, hopefully they you know do some, they have to do something at quarterback. It can't get worse than it was. I, I, I like his trajectory there. But, yeah, because he was undrafted, I, I couldn't go anywhere else, similar to Geno Smith like I did at quarterback. As far as busts, originally I was going Gusecki, but you, you you took him and I, I did have a pivot available, so I'm going to pivot Kyle Pitts. Or, I was saying <laughs> Kyle Pitts, so something oh, to say. Dynasty, he was tight end one. He finished mm. tight end 33. 33, he was almost out of the top tight end three range mm-hmm. with, with nothing else there. You go, well, he was injured and missed some games. Oh, don't worry. Point per game <laughs> basis, he was 22. So he still <laughs> sucked while he was out there on a team with no other targets. He was losing work to Olamide Zacharias. So I I mean, for all the hype he had coming into the league and and the complete lack of talent around him at pass catcher, he has been a giant bust. I I, I think there's still a shit ton of upside. He's still young. There's lots of reasons not to, to hit the panic button yet, but so far he has stunk. So for me, uh, was between Gasecki and Petz. Pitts is uh, the odd man out now.
1: Hard to argue, and, and Kyle Pitts needs to be discussed, right? So let's just do a, a quick thought exercise. So he was he was tight end, thirty three in fantasy points scored last year, right? So <laughs> most of the guys around him had obviously similar production, right? Because that's where their fantasy sure. points come from. It's the production. Well, most of them actually had similar targets, you know, opportunity things of that nature might not be across games and all, but. You know, Kyle Pitts had 59 targets, caught 28 of them. Logan Thomas, 61 targets, caught 39. Foster Morell, your boy, 54 targets, caught 33. Greg Dulcich, you know, uh, uh, the unheralded rookie from Denver, 55 targets, caught 33. Will Disley had 38 targets, caught 34 <laughs> of them. Fellow rookie Isaiah Likely had 60 targets, caught 36 of them. Did you say Even Disley caught 34 of 38? He did. Yeah, God damn! Just big Montana with the with the with the sticky balls. Isaiah, I said Isaiah like he and had sixty five targets, called forty two. Chiga Conquo had forty six targets, caught, caught thirty two. These guys all were more productive on a per target basis than Kyle Pitts, and half of them had shitty quarterbacks themselves. I mean, it's just what, what did Washington have a great quarterback? Does anyone no. think Derek Carr is special? No. Did Derek, Did uh, Russell Wilson play like shit? Yes. Is Geno Smith just league average? Yes. Did Isaiah likely not have Lamar Jackson for the after year? Yes. K. Dotton. Okay, it was Tom Brady, but still, it was 44-year-old Tom Brady, or however old he is. Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, or not Malik Willis, uh, so Josh Dobbs. I mean, is that, is that what we're dealing with? I mean, no, these guys had, like, standard bears at the position, and they all still outproduced Kyle Pitts on an opportunity basis. It's concerning because he's hyper athletic and super talented, but we're now two years through his NFL career. And he hasn't seen this like unicorn season yet. Yeah. And he's young and there's still tons and tons of time, but he was anointed the best tight end in the NFL when he got drafted two years ago, it was over. It was Kelsey, your run. It was, it was, it was nice. <laughs> and this guy is going to be like the hundred plus catch 1,200-plus yard, 10-plus touchdown. Every single year, you know, tight end, change the position, and we're, we're now 0 for 2. We're, we're 0 for 2 on the Kyle Pitts experiment. It's, it's tough. I don't know that it's all his fault, but I don't know that it's none of his fault either. So we shall see with Kyle Pitts. So that, people – was the 40s. We appreciate everyone coming out to the 40 oh, did, awards. Are we year. doing bust of the year? Did we not have bust of the year? We did least valuable player, but we had bust of the year also. All right. Well, then I, I suspend my outro until we can bust of the year. I did I did not do bust of the year, but I'm sure I can <laughs> I can cook one up real quick. So I'll let you lead off with the bust of the year before uh, so-
0: yeah, I, I looked at a couple spots and for me to be the the bust of the year, you have to be drafted as a, you know, top twelve, top fifteen guy at your position, and then you must shit the bed from there. It's not it's not a big bust when your wide receiver three finishes as a wide receiver five. So the the one guy that jumped out at me just on a per game basis was Deshaun Watson. You know, people were expecting him to come back and carry him into fantasy playoff glory. He came back and stunk. Per game basis, he was quarterback twenty one. He averaged around fifteen points a game, while the top couple guys at the position, Hurts, Allen, Mahomes, they were averaging thirty ish points a game. So he wasn't. He was doing about half the work as those guys. Granted, he didn't play for a year and a half. He was gonna be rusty. All the off field stuff he's dealing with. But considering people were taking him early enough to be like, all right, he's gonna come in. If I could just get through the first half of the year, he can's gonna carry me through the playoffs. He fucking sucked. But the biggest bust, (laughs) we mentioned the Broncos, and we were all in on it. And Knowing Russell Wilson's history with the position, Albert O was tight end 14 in drafts. He played like two or three, four good games of the year, and that team jumped ship. Albert O ends up finishing the year as tight end 70, 70. After being drafted as 14, so for me, with the ADP, with the expectations that we had of Denver coming into the year, with, with all things involved, I mean, you know, and we we like talking about waiting on tight ends and streaming, and we were big fans of his coming in the year. To go from 14 to 70 and not miss time due to injury or anything just because you suck and the team said, oh, this guy's garbage and people spent the draft capital on him. Albert O, to me, was the biggest bust of the season.
1: Hard to argue um, what was supposed to happen and then what what actually happened. Um, I'm still going to blame Nathaniel Hackett. uh, (laughs) So (laughs) the the Albert O shares that I thought I was burning at the end of the year, now there's the the lights back on. Just a little bit, because Dulcich did really happen. But then Dulcich nosedive too. No one talks bad about Dulcich after his, like, hot start. He, like, faded into the ether as well. So maybe... It's just a, you know, a dark cloud over the tight end room in Denver. But um, I came up with one, and it, it actually is, was a pretty easy pivot for me, and it's a guy I was super high on myself um, because of the situation. The biggest free agency running back move last off season was – I don't remember. My brain's already set working. Chase Edmonds. Oh, good Chase one. Edmonds went to the Miami Dolphins. was supposed to just be a, a wet dream come to life. And perfect scheme fit. Gave him a ton of money. He was a priority signing. There was no one there that would keep him <laughs> off the field. Then they signed Raheem Mostert. And you're like, okay, it's San Fran. He's going to get hurt. No, Nothing to see here. Chase Edmonds proceeds to fumble his way out of Miami. <laughs> like that. They're like, bl- like, poof, like it never happened. They package him in a deal. Just like, here, you have to take Chase Edmonds too. <laughs> it's like, we're going to give you draft picks and we want Bradley Chubb. You have to take Chase Edmonds. So he was only drafted as running back 31, which I think was odd. He was drafted as a running back three. I personally was drafting him higher than running back 31 Me too. in, in <laughs> redraft opportunities and best balls and stuff like that. He finished as running back 59 on the season from what was what could have been to what was i don't know that there was a bigger bust in the fantasy season from expectation to reality and listen i watched zeke underperform all year but he still found enough end the end zone enough times that he returned value as like a low end running back too but chase edmonds to barely crack the top 60 running backs of a guy that was probably getting paid top 10 running back money this past year Busty, bust, bust. Chase Edmonds for the win. And, and unintentionally, we squeezed in another Bronco. <laughs> 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 Rightfully so. Total, total knockout punch. Now, Chase Edmonds could be a good ancillary weapon next to Javante Williams, considering assuming he comes back sure. from the ACL next year. That's actually a pretty nice backfield combination. So Look, if- on paper, yeah. Denver's still just as good as they were to start this year.
0: The well, fucking now problem was...
1: And I got Sean Payton's big Correct. lion head making all the play calls. I mean, that's going to change it because he will throw it to the running back a thousand times a game. So Edmonds might actually be able to ROI a little bit. Did we just get sucked back in on Denver for next oh, year? I'm yeah, I'm <laughs> back in. 100% going to believe it. Yeah. Because I still like their defense, and I think they have just too much talent on offense. If they can fix the line and then Sean Payton can, like, sprinkle a little bit of, you know, Saints dust onto this offense, yeah, I do believe that they can turn it around. I still think Russell Wilson is was probably more of a product of Seattle than Seattle was a product of Russell Wilson. I think he got exposed a little bit last year. But I think Sean Payton can work with in what Russell Wilson actually does well against what Russell Wilson thinks he does well. And actually – yeah make make it work and Nathaniel Hackett c- just could not clearly. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to give up on him and then they brought Peyton in and I'm like, Fuck, "I'm back. I'm back." Aren't I? Yep. Just when I thought I was out. But, yep.
0: So that should do it for the uh annual 40s award. Hopefully you enjoyed this and we walk have fun doing this, especially we get to shit on some of these bums. that's the highlight of the year sometimes. Uh, but coming back next week, we're starting to jump into rookie talk. That's getting in full swing. So it's dynasty season. And this is kind of where we like to uncover some gems every year. And we've got a pretty decent track record, I think, of doing so. So be sure to come on back and start getting ready for your dynasty offseason. But that should do it for us. For myself, John DeBarry, my co host, Mr. Matt Walker, and our friends at Expand the Box Score, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. yesterday i was like where were you because I, I knew he was sick but i didn't know any of the details and he goes yeah he goes something's wrong with my stomach you know yeah he goes he said he, he said for three weeks straight he threw up seven times a day <laughs> and he's like yeah i went to the doctor and uh they said i'm fine <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't think your body can physically throw up seven times a day for three weeks straight. Without he
0: lost twenty five
1: pounds. Death, yeah. like <laughs> just
0: death <laughs> happening. Yeah, I mean, that's that's nuts. And I, I guess it's like the third time it's happened to him in his life. And when we asked the okay. doctor. He's like, uh, "So, you know, it's the third time. Should we like look into this more, or anything?" And they're like, "Nah." <laughs> <clears throat> my, uh, before the game, we were, you know, picking what teams everybody wanted to win. And uh, I, I picked the Eagles. My daughter picked the Eagles because they were a bird. Uh, and then my mom and wife might both picked the Chiefs. So that my son, I'm like, all right, Joe, you're the, <laughs> the deciding factor. Who are you pulling for here? And he goes, I don't care at all. So at one point during the game, my daughter was chanting Eagles, and my son goes, "I don't care, I don't care." <laughs> he, he was
1: the he was the right one. Yeah, yeah I mean, it sounds like Twitter agreed too. Yeah, you know, you're either an Eagles fan, a Chiefs fan, or you didn't want either team to win. That was, that was the general consensus. <laughs> All right, fuck you too. <laughs>